Today's episode features Centoya Brown and Becca Stevens from Thistle Farms, recorded on December 5th, 2019. I'm your host, Chad Harrington, and this is the New Canaan Society podcast for the Franklin, Tennessee chapter. The New Canaan Society in Franklin, Tennessee is a group of men who encourage each other in friendship and in faith, and to be better men. Friendship at NCS happens through meetings and chapters all across the country. The Franklin chapter meets the first and third Thursday morning each month at Puckett's Grocery in downtown Franklin. Now, before we get into Centoya and Becca's talk, I want to encourage you to buy from Thistle Farms. This is a way to encourage the ladies there and to help provide meaningful employment for many women who are doing great work. Their products, believe me, are top-notch. In fact, I shop there for the ladies in my life every year, whether at a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, anytime, but especially right now during the pandemic, is a good time to buy from Thistle Farms. Go to thistlefarms.org. They have a great mission, a great purpose, and they've got great leadership from people like Becca Stevens, whom you're about to hear from. And now for today's episode, featuring Thistle Farms founder, Becca Stevens, and her friend, Centoya Brown. Take a listen. How we doing this morning? Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love the energy in the room this morning. Ladies, thank you for being here. You get to see what we're about. Yeah, guys, give them applause. Some of you dressed up. Guys, you must have known the ladies were coming. Yeah, I like that. So, ladies, we won't be handing out the the secret handshake, but you are welcome. We're so glad you're here. You brighten the room and you brighten our hearts, so thank you. Let's open up in prayer this morning. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Lord, I just want to breathe in and breathe out, Father God, your Holy Spirit that is present this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, would guide us through this morning, that you would bless the hands that prepared our food, bless our servers that are running amongst us and taking care of us. Lord, I just want to pray, too, for um, the speakers this morning and, and the ladies of Thistle Farms, Lord, I, I pray a, a covering over them, uh, a blessed embrace from all of us to them. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you continue to bless them, bless their mission, bless the people that uh, that they touch each and every day. And Lord, for the, the men and women that are here this morning, I want to pray for them, Father God. I want to pray that, uh, that you would bless them, Lord, that uh, as they walk from this morning, um, for what they gather here this morning, that they will take it to the streets of their own communities and into their own houses, Lord, and that... Father God, you will make a difference in the kingdom through what happens in this room. We love you, we thank you, and we look forward to this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Wes? You will forgive me, please, if I have a hard time expressing my heart here. Because uh, this is such an incredible um, moment in our life together as, as brothers in this breakfast, as men 
in this community. Um, I'm so thankful for uh, the ladies that are here this morning to civilize us a little further. We need that. Um, but what is what is happening in this room this morning with Centoya being here, with Becca Stevens here, with Sheila? Where's Sheila? There's Sheila, National Director for the Thistle Farms Magdalene House Program, and uh, Doris Walker um, back here, huh? And Taylor now, Doris Taylor. Um, and I'm thinking back uh, to a year ago when many, many of you in this room uh, helped us with a surprise for Doris uh, where we were able to pay for a lot of her wedding expenses. And so on this, on this sheet that's going around this morning to sign up for our email uh, list if you want to be on it, there's a photograph of Doris and uh, Jay Bird at the wedding. <laughs> And so I want you to take a good look at this, but you had, you had a hand in this. And so, Doris, um, he tra- is he treating you right? He is. Okay, good. All right. Uh, so they're, they're eight months in, and they're still newlyweds, but what, what a joyful thing. So, um, yeah, old newlyweds, exactly right. Um, Becca Stevens has been... Um, the best word I know to describe her is that she is both a Nashville and a national treasure because she cleans up the messes that a lot of us men make and she helps rescue women um, and, and show them the path to the redemption of their own life. We're grateful to you for this work. Um, and I know that it comes at a cost. I know that there's always another story behind every story and, and um, only God sees all the little things that you've done to make this possible, and we thank you. Centoya Brown Long uh, is here with us this morning, and that's a miracle because less than four months ago, she was still sitting in the Tennessee women's prison uh, waiting for uh, her time to walk to freedom. Her husband, Jamie Long, is here this morning, and what a dear brother this guy is. Um, we've, we've, we've begun to love each other these last number of months in, in deep ways. And uh, God has his hand in this story in, in, in so many incredible ways. What we, what we have this morning is a conversation with Becca and Centoya. So come along and let's have that conversation. Would you give them a big welcome? Can, can we get two of the stools from over there? A one? One we stool? We have one right there. If you move, if you give up yours. I do like to mess with you. Yeah, you want another chair on that Uh-huh, we need one more. Does anybody have one more? There's another small one we'll switch with you. So, Satoya and I are both just going to start with a story, and then we're going to have a little bit of conversation And I just want to say that this is a day that we look forward to all year long at Thistle Farms. And to have both Sheila and Doris with us this morning is a huge gift. They are both national leaders. I think Sheila has helped. Thank you. Has helped. This one's taller. Do you want the taller one? I'm very. Take the taller one and I'll stand. That's a big one. but they have helped open like 200 beds around the country. They've probably done three or 400 events around the country this year. But they both wanted to be here to show you how much it means to us at Thistle Farms to be a part of it. 
to have you invite us back again and again for this yearly, um, you know, what I call it a Christmas cleanup, because the whole idea is that y'all wipe this table clean, amen? Amen. And you get all your Christmas stuff done, and we get to celebrate with you and know that there are men who are giving these gifts, not just women giving them to other women. You know, that's a, that's a big deal. So Thistle Farms has grown now into the largest justice enterprise in the U.S. with amazing folks like you being willing to share our story on social media, buy our products, share a place of hope. We had 70,000 people last year that came through the cafe at Thistle Farms. Last week, there was a man at the register, and my assistant came up and said, there's somebody that wants to meet you at the register. And I was like, well, I can. I got this. And then she goes, she says, he says he is your mother's godson. And I was like, oh, my God, this is not going to be good. <laughs> you know, I probably grew up in one of the more dysfunctional churches in this whole area. It ended up being sold to Kroger, and it was a good thing that the church was raised, in my opinion. So what happened was, I said, I'll go up there, but this is not going to be good. So this was the church where my father was the pastor, and he was killed when I was five years old by a drunk driver. And the church continued to be dysfunctional for years and years until it's closing. So this young, not that young, probably 35-year-old man was at the register, and he said, hi, my name is, and I am the grandson of Mr. Johnson. And so Mr. Johnson was the head of the church after my father died that began to sexually abuse me for years beginning at the church. And it was his grandson that was wanting to have a conversation with me. And I said, well, why are you here? And he said, well, I just got out of treatment. I've been an addict for the last 20 years, and it's been a hard life, and I know you have this place, and I just wanted to come talk to you. And I stood there, and I listened to his story of brokenness and shame and a wake of destruction, and I thought, that is how it is when we don't really look and take care of our business. We pass it on and on and on, and God knows what his grandfather had gone through to begin abusing kids as bad as he was doing. And it made sense to me that in a community of love, that eventually his grandson would come seeking my help and my love and my forgiveness. And I just wanted to start with that story today about how old these stories are that you and I are telling. And about how hard they are and how important it is for you and I to take on the burden of love and healing. So it doesn't keep getting passed around and around where the children of the children come seeking help that are lost and still broken. So that's what we're here to do today. And I told that young, broken and beautiful soul that there was a place for him at Thistle Farms. And I think it is exactly inevitably right that once love really has a place and shines, we all come to seek its healing. So Toya... Good morning. morning. (laughs) It is a miracle that I'm sitting here. Wes spoke to that. When I was 16 years old, I was told that I would spend the rest of my life in prison. And this was at the end of the most tumultuous time in my life where I had survived multiple assaults from men, sexual assaults, physical assaults, being exploited, 
and being made to believe that that exploitation was my choice. It was my fault. So being here, seeing Sheila and seeing Miss Doris here, it's just incredible because it shows that there's space in this community for redemption. It shows that there's space for people to thrive after overcoming so many obstacles and all the odds against them. When my husband and I were driving up here today, I looked on my phone and I saw that one of the women who mentored me while I was in prison, who showed me that you could live a meaningful life where you were, that you could still decide to do better for yourself, regardless of your circumstances. Her name was Gail Owens. She was commuted from having a death sentence and was given the opportunity to be free by Governor Phil Bredesen. And she actually passed away. And I think about Gail today just as much as I'm so happy to be here with Sheila Norris. And I think about everything that she showed me. And I think it's so important that all of you are here today to support second chances, to support new life. And I really hope that as each of you leave today, you leave with something that you didn't know before you came in here, something that you believed maybe turned on its head. But I hope you leave with something. And if you take nothing from anything that I've said up here, I want you to know that God can change anyone's story. He can turn anything around. He is the king of the comeback. And I'm just blessed to be here today. You know, I'm, Gail was a huge part of our story, too. Gail Owens. Do you all know who Gail Owens is? And she spent so much time in solitary confinement in prison, and she had a huge impact. And when she her sentence was converted, she came to work at Thistle Farms. And she was there for... I think about three years, and I texted with her last week. That was the last time. And my feeling the whole time is Gail brought so much resiliency and hope, and she was a great mentor. But I don't think in my mind that um, sometimes Gail ever believed she was really free. She had been in there so, so long and went through so much, and my heart breaks for her. But I guess that kind of brings up my first thought of a question for all of us to contemplate, but maybe for you to reflect on. Um, What does freedom look like? For me, I spent so much of my life having other people make decisions for me, Mm -hmm. having other people put their face and their name to my journey, my story, and For me, it's giving God all the glory. For me, it's I get to wake up every day and talk to him about what steps I'm going to take each day. No one else gets to dictate that. That's all on me and God. That's what freedom is to me. And what is it on that? I mean, that's beautiful. And what does what does it feel like, like the surprise of freedom in the last four months? What has been one of the surprises of it? Um, 
Everything is really expensive. I think I was... <laughs> I was very That's surprised. That's the Bible truth right there. Oh, yeah. I was very surprised to go to the grocery store and see that Velveeta was like $12. <laughs> that was a little ridiculous. That's God saying, don't buy Velveeta. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So just small things like that. And then, of course, it's so good to see that we're having conversations about trafficking, right? Because it was such a taboo topic. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Everybody wanted to act like it wasn't happening. And they wanted to put a picture of an Asian girl or a Hispanic girl who's getting trafficked from another country instead of the girls here, the women here, right in our backyard. And to see that now that they have a voice, that was surprising, but so refreshing. And it's so needed. I think that too. I mean, I think really for me, the Me Too movement has been good news. You know, the hashtag Me Too that people realize that there is a whole community of people sharing this story, and there have been women who have been willing to admit their addiction. There have been willing women willing to admit their um, criminal behavior, but it's even been harder for years for women to admit those first traumas, that first sexual abuse, it's not usually one abuser, by the way. It's many, 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 many that keep going. There's a first, but then you pile other ones on top of it once that happens in your life. You know that traumas multiply. And I think for the freedom to be able to say, I get to name that. I get to name my early childhood trauma. And I get to say that is, again, not any of it is our story. There is a bigger story but that those early years, those formative years, played a part before all that else in rolling that red carpet for other things to happen. But I think it takes a long time to get to a place where there is that freedom to name that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, did that take you a while to name it? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's so crazy that Sheila's here for this Ooh. conversation because she was actually the first person who looked me in my face and said you were trafficked. And... When she told me that, I looked at her like she had lost her mind. I was like, no, I wasn't. Because for so long, I was told that I was a child prostitute. Right. I was told that I had consented to the men who took advantage of me, who took advantage of my age and my immaturity, who took advantage of my wanting to be accepted, to feel that I belonged. But it was Sheila putting a name on that that started that reflection and started that journey. It was in slavery, Tennessee, who said there's no such thing as a teen prostitute who helped me to understand that this was not my fault. These were things that were committed against me. And it's so important that we properly label things, right? Mm -hmm. It's so important that we stop trying to tell women that it's their fault that they're abused because it's something that they wore. It's a way that they presented themselves. Every woman has a right to live. Every woman has a right to live free of abuse and assault and exploitation. Period. I agree. So one of the other things I think about a group like this, and we make this stick... One of the things I think about a group like this is that um, 
you know, I don't, I don't think people ought to be voyeurs in trauma, you know, tourists in other people's trauma, where it's like an entertainment, you know, because sometimes it feels like that. We put on a show, we put these things out here, but we want it to be deeper than that. We don't want it to be like, okay, now I get to say, I've heard it, which is really important, but it's not just that. When we are doing, doing this as a journey of faith, there's this idea that we get to wake up and show up but then there's also this place of growing up and cleaning up, you know, that we have a responsibility that none of the women that we both have um, known and things that we've experienced, nobody got to the streets by themselves. It did take some dysfunction and dysfunctional communities to get us there. So in your mind, in your thoughts, in your experience in these last four months, what is the message to communities that can do a better job of growing up and cleaning up now that we have, we understand the language, we understand this idea that there is trauma in our childhood that brings us here? What is the way that the community, this community, can be a part of the cleaning up? You know, from what I've observed and from reflections on, you know, my own experience, we need to understand that there are social norms at play right now that contribute to exploitation, that contribute to the things that happen with me and so many other women. We have such a permissive culture. We have a culture where, you know, we're telling young women that you need to be half naked on social media in order to be accepted, in order to be liked, in order to feel like you have some sense of self-worth in this community, and that is so toxic. And we need to start having conversations with young people. We need to start having conversations with each other and really checking ourselves about our own behaviors, about the things that we're letting people know that this is what I stand for, this is what I think is okay. And it's simply not okay for any young girl in this country to feel that her whole sense of self is tied up in what someone else thinks, is tied up in what a man thinks about her, is tied up in what she can do for someone else. And we really have to start addressing these social norms. We have to start addressing just how prevalent it is that people think it's okay to just commodify women's bodies. I just want to say I keep standing up because, look, this is so scary, and I don't want to be the one that falls off this stool. I don't want to be the one to laugh at you. I want you. <laughs> Why would you give me a stool that's so scary? It's like a balancing act. So I'm going to stand near my stool <laughs> and lean on it. No, but um, that's a, I think that is true, and I think, you know, they have these things, take back the night and all the colleges, and I wish they would also have take back social media where it becomes this empowering thing about how we really are and how we look and how we share positive, beautiful, uplifting, loving messages on social media. I mean, one of the best ways I think people can do stuff is to realize that there's social media advocacy. You know, we get more referrals on social media. We'll do a piece like a couple months ago on PBS. PBS NewsHour did a whole piece on Thistle Farms. More referrals than donations that's the truth more referrals than donations because so many people are suffering in it. and I'm also thinking about I was in New York a couple weeks ago and I did this presentation at the Dell Foundation it was huge 
all these very, very high-powered Stanford, Harvard people. And this woman comes up, and she's weeping, just weeping afterwards, one of the partners. And she said, I think I know a young woman who is being abused, and I don't know what to do. Like, she had all this knowledge, all this power. She had all of this and had no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how have we made it that complicated where you think, if you saw a child in a swimming pool going under, you know what to do. If you see a child wandering down the street, you know what to do. But somehow when it becomes sexualized or sexual abuse, you think, I don't know what to do. And it's like, you get that child to safety is what you do. You know, I mean, I don't understand still why we think like if it's sexual, it's none of our bit. Like we can't say anything or we can't do anything because kids are drowning in it. Right. And that's another thing that I like to speak on because when I was... 14, 15, 16 years old, and I was having older boyfriends. Right. You know, that was a big red flag. And there were adults who were around who knew what was happening, who said absolutely nothing. There were other adults who looked down on me, who called me fast and promiscuous. But no one ever pulled me to the side and had that conversation with me. And so many times we like to look away. It's not our business. But when it comes to children, it is our business. It simply is. We always talk about how it takes a village to raise a child. But, you know, when it comes time to really step up and step in, I mean, what do you do? What will you do from here on out? And it's it's very important for us to actually take action. You know, there are hotlines in place. If you don't ever want to just get involved. There's a whole national trafficking hotline. There's national child abuse hotlines that you can call. Me personally, I'm stepping in and I'm doing something. Um, But everyone else might not be that bold. And I think churches are a good place to have those safe conversations too, where people, people are there to be around healing and openness. And it's like, you know, having those messages from the pulpit about what does a safe community look like and feel like where no matter what, you can come and you can share your story and you will be believed and you will be held. But the crazy thing is, is when you're little, you don't even have the words. Like people say, well, why didn't you tell? And it was like, what was I telling? I don't know the words for that stuff. No one, no one bothered to teach me the words. I knew what I was doing. Yeah, and so community is important, but relationship is what's really important because, sure, you... You have places, you have churches and stuff where you may feel safe, but, I mean, church is open, you know, what, Sunday morning and Wednesday night. What about that time in between? I talk a lot about how teachers, like, you can have relationships with your students to where they know that that's a safe space where they can talk. Your neighbors, your nieces, you know, just you need to to make it clear that you're someone that they can come to. I didn't know the name to put on what was happening to me. I didn't even know that what was happening with me was wrong. And it wasn't until I had conversations with people, until there was that dialogue, until other people who found out what was going on Mm -hmm. could tell me, wait a minute, that's not right. That's not right. You know, in the trafficking world, you'll hear something called worldview and how your worldview just gets skewed where you think all these things that are inappropriate are just normal. And it's not until you have conversations it's not until there's relationship there where you can have that dialogue that you realize that what's happening with you is not okay so everyone in here if there's young people that you come into contact with you need to to make 
make yourself available, like make yourself a non-judgmental space where they can have conversations. They can tell you what's going on at school, what's going on in their friend circle. Maybe they'll let you know what's going on in social media. Probably not, but you know, you just need to make yourself available. So what, what's the next few months look like for you? Uh, I don't think about the next few months because my schedule like gets really crazy. Thanks to Wes. Um, (laughs) so I just take it day by day and I just keep my eyes on God and ask, you know, what he wants me to do on a daily basis. You know, we're actually working right now. Um, when I leave here, I'm going to go, um, have a phone call with someone about the glitter project, which is something that I had started as part of a college paper, my capstone project with Lipscomb university And it's the Grassroots Learning Initiative on Teen Trafficking, Exploitation, and Rape. And what it is, is exactly what we're doing now. It's having these conversations. It's educating one another on everything that contributes to trafficking, everything that contributes to young girls getting caught up in this situation so that hopefully we can prevent it from happening to other people. And we're going to be starting that hopefully in January. Um, It's going to be an awareness initiative. And really working with a lot of the communities, hopefully the women um, at Thistle Farms and Magdalene uh, will participate. Look, if you got Sheila loving it, then we'll all do it. (laughs) Say it again. Thank you. So, well, Thistle Farms, one of the things that we have eight more houses that, uh, thanks to the whole national network, with about 40 more beds will be opening hopefully in the next 18 months around the country for survivors, and those are long-term free beds for two years. That makes a huge, huge difference, and it's a big commitment, but it's like you're saying, it's relationship. It's small houses where women can really bond and do the work. I think for all of us to remember, we can be involved because we're not the hero of the story. We are only hosts. We can do all kinds of things to support, to clean up, to wake up, and uh, provide that time and space and resources so um, women survivors do get to be the hero of their own story. Mm -hmm. They get to tell their own story, be the hero of their own story, and that's important. And so one of the places we are opening in January, our very first house in Belize. Mm -hmm. You all know these are universal issues without boundaries. Again, those universal issues, issues really land on the backs of individual women. But it's this very small house in Belize, and we just got a call from the State Department wanting to use it as one of their um, places for referrals and doing all this. And I was like, you know, it's like a really small house, but it's hard to open these very first houses and to start changing the language and the culture in you know, all kinds of places that are still really labeling people fast and, um, you know, criminalizing them for their the, the abuse they have endured. So we'll be in Belize and Ecuador and Peru in the next few months continuing this work, and you'll see all the products from those women survivor artisans, and I hope that you... <coughs> Take a moment to imagine their courage and strength and hope. And we want to end with a couple final thoughts, if that's okay. Um, and I want my final thought. I am ceding to the gentlewoman from Virginia. 
Sheila is going to offer my final thought after Satoya offers her final thought. <laughs> um, come on, Sheila. <laughs> you know you want to talk. You're over there doing this. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> you know, I guess my final thought would be the way that we're all gathered here today and having these conversations, I would challenge each and every one of you when you leave from here and you have your other circles that you gather in, you have your dinner table, you have the water cooler, I would challenge each of you to have the same conversation in those circles You know, don't just let it stay here in this room, but take something with you and really just just spread that out to the community because that's what grassroots is, right? Like, that's how it spreads. And, you know, just be bold enough to have that conversation that people may not want to have, but it's absolutely necessary. I guess final thoughts. Um, And so since we have a room for men, um, I always uh, go... uh, to a place of teaching your your sons at an early age uh, that it is not okay to buy sex. It's not okay. Um, it, or porn. But it's that it's not okay. And starting at a really young age, just educating uh, your children so that they can educate their children and so that they can educate their children because it's a generational to generation to generation problem. Um, Centoya, you're 32 now? 31. I'll be 31 in January. In January, yeah. Uh, I'm 50. And we have very similar stories other than... Uh, but we have very similar stories. And and the reality of it is, is this has been going on for a really, really long time. And trafficking is just starting to really become the thing, you know? And so I think it's really with education and not just educating our, our girls, but educating our boys too. Uh, Because without demand, we wouldn't have this trafficking issue without men thinking that it's okay to pay for sex. We wouldn't have this problem. And so educating the boys and with that, please shop. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the witness of all the women survivors, especially Doris, Sheila, Satoya, and the many, many women that make up in slavery, Thistle Farms, and all the communities out there doing this beautiful work. I ask you to bless the work of Glitter in Thistle Farms and all the endeavors that try to keep lifting women up and holding us all accountable for the healing in this world. We ask you to bless everyone in this room. To give thanks for their open hearts. They're still ready to plant new seeds of hope and dreams. We give you thanks for the wonder 
of mercy and forgiveness in all our lives. For all those who have shown us kindness over the years, for all of those who helped us remember what freedom looks like. And above all on this day, as we remember the season to prepare for love incarnate, we give thanks for your Son, the source of light and all goodness, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So this is our time to visit, to sign books, to shop and to ask answer any questions and just so you know that you can come any oh, okay you can come any any week over to Thistle Farms we are open every every day but on Wednesday morning especially we have an open circle at 9am if you want to come meet and talk and sit in that circle it's 5122 Charlotte Avenue we would welcome you with open arms Wes, we love you thanks to everyone here this morning this is the best soap in the world it will clean your hands when you work in the garden, change your spark plugs. It takes dirt off your hands after you wash with other soap. You should buy it. Um, and we have some of Toya's books here this morning. It's her prison memoir, a book she wrote while she was in prison. But thank you, brothers. Go in the peace of Christ. And, and come to shop in the peace of Christ. That was Centoya Brown and Becca Stevens. Make sure to support Thistle Farms. Go to thistlefarms.org. Until next time.